Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with returning guest, photographer and artist, Frank Ockenfels III. In this interview, I speak to Frank about his newly published book titled Volume 3. I was lucky enough to pick up a copy last week and can't recommend it enough. It's a really interesting and creative book that just kind of showcases Frank's work over the course of his career. It's a mix of his uh, personal work, journals, as well as some of his commission and assignment work of uh, portraits of different celebrities and various people. Um, just really interesting book and I uh, can't recommend it enough. It's actually available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble now, so definitely go pick up a copy. Um, it was a real pleasure sitting down with Frank and talking to him about his book, as well as some of his uh other stuff he's done over the course of his career. Um, been a big fan of his work for years, so always a pleasure to get a chance to speak with him. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, Frank Ockenfels, we're back. We're back. <laughs> Round two, man. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time to do this. A little face-to-face. Uh, -face. For real. Yeah. Um, driving down here, man, um, I haven't been to Los Angeles in a long time. You guys got these fires going on right now. Yeah, it's fucking gnarly, man. You're, you're you are you are in the center of two right now. It's got to be terrifying because like even when I was driving down here, I was like plotting my course of like how do I get around this shit, and I was like going down the four hundred five, <laughs> and it's like it's wild yeah. out here, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess this is uh, start off. I know you got a brand new book out. Um, I was wondering how how that kind of came about. Like, um, when did you kind of decide you wanted to put out a book? I guess. I I mean. I've put a couple little little publications out for myself over the years. Nothing really big. Um, I've always kind of felt like it, it. A book comes along when you are finally ready to say something, and I think you have to have enough to say in the sense of history. And I, my favorite books were the ones that showed early work to where the person is now, and you actually see the arc. You actually see the growth within the person doing the book, whether it be a painter or I mean, anybody. I just love seeing this kind of, you know, and. There are a lot of great books done that are one concepts and one ideas and that kind of thing. But I felt for myself that this is the book I wanted to do. and um, But that it didn't really come about in the sense I didn't go out and search out and I didn't go to Tenoise and say, hey, I got this book. What I did do was um, I have known David Fahey and Nicholas Fahey for quite a few years who own Fahey Klein Gallery in Los Angeles. And... And I've known him going to Palm Springs over the years festival and talking to him and hanging out. And he kind of called me one day and he says, uh, why don't you come over and talk? And I was like, well, talk about what? He's like, ah, let's just talk about what you're doing. And I'm like, okay, you know. So And so I went in and he and Nicholas and Heather, who was uh, David's assistant, we sat in the office and we started talking. And he said, you know, you need to start thinking about this. It's like... You know, you're you're a known photographer, but no one knows who you are in reality, in the sense. And and what is the value of your work? It's like you know. And if no one knows your name outside of a few people within the industry, wouldn't it be nice to have people know you in a broader scope? And he talked about how he um, built up doing working with Herb Ritz and working with different photographers, and how by the act of doing a book and an exhibition, that your name starts to become more more out there and um, and, you know, it's just a different change and different pace of what it is. And I said, okay, well, what do you want to see? And he said, well, show me what you think would be good for a show. So I brought him on a hard drive. I brought him uh, four bodies of work, which was about 8,000 images. Holy shit. And, um, and he, uh, he went through the whole thing, and it was uh, all my Bowie stuff. 
figuring if you want to do a Bowie show, do you want to do a Bowie book? I mean, because I have, you know, these 15 shoots of them and everyone always has an interest in Bowie, which was great. His reaction was like, you know what? Sit on it for about five years. He said, because everybody, yeah, everybody's doing Bowie books right now. And, and it was something that David and I had started the conversation prior to his death, quite a few years before his death. Like, hey, should we do a book and what should we do with this? Um, And it never got done. So... And then um, the other body of work was my journals, okay. which, of course, the journals were like something that um, I kept for years and probably had the biggest sense of when you looked at it was the arc of, of going from point A to point B and where I am now with it and what it spurred after that. And then I've always wanted to do just a solid portrait book of all the pictures I shot with my Super D Graflex, all the four by five portraits of all the different people I'd shot. Yeah. And then the fourth body was just this kind of um, where I've gone with my photography in the sense of collage off of the book, like collage, painting, drawing, that kind of stuff. So I gave him this and then I went in one day and I said, well, what do you think? And he was like, well, this is what I think. And he'd laid out about, about, about 10 double pages of what he thought. And I've always seen my journals as being precious, like they had to be on a page and they were floating and he jammed everything together. He put things out and there'd be these breasts, these things. And I was like, oh, I get that. It actually works. And he was like, you know, see, they all goes together. It's like there's a little bit of Bowie stuff. There's the drawings. There's the plywood. There's there's the portraiture. And, and it just and it all seems to go together. And depending on how we looked at it and like the faces and we didn't even pick. There are some famous faces in the book, but I would say in general, it's it's a... 25% celebrity book, maybe, in the sense of looking at the book. But it's mostly um, maybe things I did with it and the collaging and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of how it came up. And then I said, oh, great. Okay. So I went back and I flushed it out. And I made it, you know, I made it like to be, I think we got to about too many pages. <laughs> it's a pretty packed book. But uh, it was kind of interesting. I got in this whole rhythm of putting things together and got excited by it. And then we made, um, we made a little movie about a two-minute movie because I felt it was important because if you said to somebody at a publishing company, so I got this photographer who takes pictures and keeps journals, and they, I'm not sure they would be able to process that in their brain and say, oh, yeah, I get that. Okay. Like, I, that's a great book. You know, it's like, so I made a movie. It's a two-minute movie, and, it, and, it, and basically it shows, it's just a friend of mine came over, and we sat in the studio you're sitting in right now, and we did it all with natural light, and we shot in a, on a on an um, on Alexa. Who he had brought an Alexa and a camera so the, assistant. So shooting your your journals. Turning my yeah, shooting my it's journals. Like turn, okay. Yeah, turning the pages and putting the putting looking at the stacks of journals that I have because there's like about thirty of them. So it's like all the stacks of journals and and just all texture. I wanted the people whoever was going to do it to understand that the book was going to have texture. That if as you turn the pages and as you did it, you'd actually feel that they weren't flat in the book that they were actually that you felt like you could actually reach and touch the crinkling of the paper or the discoloration or the ink or the charcoal yeah so we did that and we sent it out and uh Tenoise responded pretty heavily and along with another company and i just kind of had to pick one or two and and said i just decided you know i picked i picked Tenoise being a bigger company figuring out my first idea of doing this the broader scope was the better idea yeah so, no, it's interesting. So uh, Fahey, David, his first name, correct? Mm-hmm. So he was kind of, was he involved through the whole process? Or oh, was yeah. he, uh, So he's almost like kind of like a curator in a sense. Like. Yeah, he, well, he and, he and Nicholas uh, and Heather all kind of, you know, I would lay out pages and we'd lay them out. And he'd say, I think that works. I don't think that works. I would like, I love that one. 
So we go, we you know, it was not just a never really 100% like it wasn't his decision. Yep. Exactly. There was some I fought for, definitely. The, the cover was an interesting conversation. Um, uh, which, and, but what was unbelievable was the deal he made with Tenois. And I mean, every friend who's done a book has, has gone, had to go out of pocket to do a book and, and, you know, fight what's in the cover. Yeah. And I didn't, I, they gave me money up front and to do it, they let me hire my own, they paid for my own designer. Yeah. They, they really, Tenois was tremendously supportive and not even touching the process of putting it together. They really got it, and yeah. they didn't try to fight it, even to the point where, with you've seen it, it's got cardboard. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna ask you. It's a really interesting cover. Like you say, it's cardboard. Yeah. What was your reasoning behind that? Because I don't think I've ever really seen a cover like that. Yeah, it's it's based upon it's your own journal. Okay. That it will that it will it will move and live and be your own journal at the end of the day. And and Tenois loved that that was their suggestion. Yeah. Their suggestion was to basically say they sent me art books that had been done by painters and such and they were done with cardboard covers. Oh, I should turn my phone off. Okay. My bad. Oops. Uh, yeah. And they were they did cardboard covers that were like um, and had like the uh, the fabric on the edges that they were, and then and then the idea of how it was done, it could flat fold as much as possible. Like so, as you're looking through it, it just when you lay it down, it pretty much will lay flat almost in every page. Yeah. So there was a lot of those stipulations, but I wanted to feel, I didn't want it to feel so precious. I didn't want to have like this, you know, you know, uh, linen cover and yeah. it was a hard cover, and it just it needed to. The, the the book needed to feel like if you were sitting in my house looking at my journals. Yeah. So. No, that's interesting. And like, I mean, like, what's what's the goal of a book? Because like, I mean, is it a business thing? It's more of like a like a legacy thing. Is it just another project you want to work on? Because obviously you're very successful in your commercial work and everything you do. I guess what's the overall goal in putting out a book? I guess. I don't. I mean, I would I would say. It's not a business thing. Yeah. You don't seem like it. You don't seem, uh, Frank's not out here crunching numbers. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> you can see how I live my life. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not living in, a, in my palace up on the hill, no. Um, but uh, I live, I mean, it's funny as I live a very bohemian life, I guess, from what I've been told. And, and funny, years ago, someone came and did an article on my family and, and shot the house, and they, they called us the Bohemian family, yeah. which I think is probably the best description of us all. My wife's a painter, my son's a musician, my other son's in the arts. It's like, you know, the whole house, everything about it feeds the point at any point you can sit down and do something like that. So, mm. But um, to do the book was... I mean, obviously, it's always about business. You do a book, and people look at you a little bit differently, that someone would actually take the money and spend it and basically publish a book of your work, you know, yeah. which is pretty amazing, you know, especially a company like Tenoise, you know, and um, it's, you know, I, I, you know, all sides, it's, it's partial ego. Sure. You want to basically put something out in the world that says, yeah, I, I existed at one point in my life and I, and I, and I, and doing the arts and, and I created all this stuff and people seem to like it, mm -hmm. you know, and people seem to enjoy looking at it. And were inspired by it, or or you know, or repulsed by it, or God knows what. You know, the book has a lot of. Um, it's 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 not yeah it's not a it's I was laughing because it's not a Christmas book to hand out to my to my clients yeah because it would I mean it would be some clients yeah hundred yeah. percent but I would say there are probably some clients would be like why I like your pictures I don't think I like your journals so much they're a little bit dark and weird you know yeah but I think anyone who knows me who hires me probably 
knows who I am at this point. There's not much of a, I yeah. don't really, I'm not walking around with like two lives and yeah. not really sharing them both at the same time. So, yeah. but, um, so yeah, doing the book is just, it's, it's kind of something I've always wanted to do in the sense of just having this piece of going like, here, I did it. This is, this is a culmination of where my brain has gone over the years and how I feel and, and what I like to create and what I like to do. Yeah. And I mean, I think and that is something that's great to show people. And, through these pod these podcasts and I mean I've had more people walk up to me and say, I heard that podcast, you know, that you did with Alex and it's fucking amazing. And it's like, you know, and it so inspired me to do this. Yeah. Now when when somebody says it inspired me to do this is so much more interesting, I think, than almost saying, I really love your work. Yeah. Because I love your work is a very abstract sh- I mean I saw it, I liked it, now I'm moving on yeah, to that. Right. But I would say that if someone said I looked at your work and I was inspired to do this for myself. Yeah. That to me is how I look at artists. I mean, I love Francis Bacon, but I'm inspired by looking at Francis Bacon's paintings to do something else or Ansel Kiefer or, you know, or, you know, any, any, any person that's a painter or an artist or like, you know, Stedman, Stedman's ink splatters have, I mean, you know, and people always look at my stuff and go, it's very Stedman. And I go, yeah, it should be. I mean, it's totally like I'm inspired by his his insanity of what he's done with ink and how it's just, you know, you you spatter ink and it doesn't have a clean moment to it. It just goes and you and you have to accept, which is very different than what my life is as a commercial photographer, is that I have to be a little more structured to make sure I'm covering what I need to do, even though I'm known for being tremendously off the cuff and I can take care of things. There is still a structure to that. You can't live on the flaw yeah. of something for a commercial job. So yeah, the one thing that I've always kind of like, having talked to you before, and this like following your work for years, you seem like you really kind of get after it. Like every day, like your could be your journals, the shooting stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that something? Are there days when like you're 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 pushing yourself? Is it this a thing of repetition and almost like in the way people train at the gym or train yeah. at whatever the piano? Mm-hmm. Are are there days where you struggle and don't make something that you're proud of are there days where you just kind of leave blank or what is it about this the repetition about getting after it every day and trying to build on it i think there's so many things now that we have that are so the the iphone is is a classic example of something that's always in your hand you can take pictures with and it's not just take pictures you can then create in it you can you can collage you can you can manipulate you can do what you want within the camera so i mean I often will be sitting on airplanes and just bored and I'll be playing around with pictures on it. Um, I still, and then, and I'm very much like, if something's not working, I go to the next thing, I go to the next thing, I go to the next thing. And luckily I have enough little things that entertain my brain. So um, I always carry around um, a charcoal pencil and, and paper. And I'll be sitting there and just drawing. And, and it doesn't mean, you know, and, and, and the repetition of what that is half the time is a face or a body. Yeah. yeah. I'm not drawing like the landscape or like that kind of stuff. Or I'm just drawing a feeling of what that is. And if that doesn't work, you know, I, I've, I'll sit and I'll start tearing things apart. And, you know, I have a lot of journals that I've made um, from jet lag. And I have a tendency to walk around the streets. Um, I was just in Paris on a job. And I came back and it was raining and all this stuff was falling off of the walls, the paper and the layers. Then I just peeled off big sheets of it. Yeah, and I got back to my hotel room and I was I sat it all in my bed and I started peeling all the sections apart and I laid them all across the floor in my hotel room to dry because they were soaking wet. 
And then I got up about, I, you know, of course, jet lag hit, and about 4.30 in the morning I was awake, and I didn't have to be on set until about 8. Yeah. So I sat there, and I and I, I carried journals and glue sticks and stuff, and I just started making journals of, you know, these are scraps of paper. Oh, I turned my off. Um, so um, I... Uh, so I would basically sit there and I'd just start doing that. And if, if that bored me, I would start, you know, drawing on something. Or I would take my computer out and I'd start editing or putting something together. I have enough little things that I keep moving toward. Like at the minute I realize that pushing through things isn't always the best for me when I'm trying to do journals. Mm. It's like, it's better that when I first get the thread and then I see where the thread is going, then I feed on that thread. And that happens in almost in anything in photographic. Like, even when I'm shooting, like, a lot of the models that I shoot in here, like a lot of the pictures that are recent, I've shot in here. They're all, this is where I do all my testing in this one little room. Yeah. It has natural light, or I can put a strobe up if I want to, or I have hot lights, and we have all this stuff we can use. And um, I've had a lot of very wonderful models come through that are very helpful and very patient with me, kind of the first four or five frames talking to myself, going like, no, that's not it. Yeah. And you just and you and you just keep taking a picture. What if I try this? What if I try this? What if I do this? If I do this, what would happen if I did? And 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 they're very open to it. It's not like as probably typical shoots that they've been on where people have been set up with an idea and they know that person's going to get structured into that idea. But it's more the point of that the two of us together and they'll do something. I'm like, that's what I was looking for, you mm -hmm. know. And that's it. We'll start playing around with. So yeah. No, it's interesting because like I think a lot of younger photographers could look at your work and everything you've you've shot over the years, be it whatever personal or commercial, editorial, whatever. And even at this point in your career, it's still just like you're playing with it. It's this back and forth. Just mm -hmm. trying. It's still you're still just trying to figure it out every day, yeah. pretty much. I mean, I don't. I I. I don't profess to know everything. I don't, and I don't want to know everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would be the bigger point is that I, I mean, I'm going to turn 60 next year. And I think to me, it's kind of like, you know, my dad just turned 94 yesterday. So wow, maybe, amazing. maybe I'll live that long. I have no idea. But even let's say if I live till I'm 80, you know, uh, in the next 20 years, I will hopefully get closer to really understanding what it is I've been trying to do. Yeah. And I, but I, but I have, I have yet not to have a year where I don't learn something new about myself and allow myself the change, which is the hardest part as photographers is that you start shooting and you get to a certain rhythm of what it is and people start accepting it and they start paying you to do it. It's, it's, do you, then if all of a sudden you change, or you start showing different stuff, and they're like, "Well, I'm really confused. What's going on here?" Yeah. Instead of seeing the broader picture, going, "Oh, he's thinking. Yep. He's moving forward. We know he can do that, but he can also do this now." And I think that's what most people who hire me now accept from me is that, you know, we'll shoot a white seamless picture, we'll shoot a natural light picture, we'll shoot what's the abstract. You know, I have a friend of mine in, who works for Netflix in Amsterdam, um, Marcus, and he has he calls it a uh, a Frank plus one, which is like, you know, he'll give me a job and goes, what's Frank's plus plus for this one? And he always kind of laughs at me when he says it. Cause it's like, he always knows that I'll in the middle of something, find something to take a picture of yeah, yeah. that is just, even if they don't even use it, yeah. it's like, he just likes that. My brain is kind of not just going, okay, I'm doing this. Comps, show. comps, yeah. comps. Yeah. 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 What can, how far, I mean, that's always the question is how far can you push a comp? Yeah. You know, some people want you to, some people don't, you know, it's like, yeah, you just got to feel it out, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, a one page that kind of stuck out in your book. Um, there's a page, there's kind of a collage and it said a, lo a lot of art is boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
The thing I was interested in, like, obviously, what do you mean by that? And then also, do you feel sometimes like you make boring art? Oh, like yeah. Yeah? yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, I, you know, and, and I would say that, so, so where it came out of is um, I was walking in the street, and it was, a, it was a sticker years ago in New York City on, on a wall, like you see stickers stuck around. And I was like, oh, my God. And I got, so I pulled it off, and I came home, and I'd done this picture. And um, it was a cover of a journal that I had kept for a while. So the whole journal, obviously, the opening thing was said a lot of art is boring. So, but I, I really think that a lot of art is boring to most people. I mean, I would say a lot of art is, is not understood or, you know, you struggle of what the, what the person is trying to do. And um, I think that, you know, I bore the hell out of myself sometimes when I'm trying to do things. I go like, what, what, is, what is this even about? It's like, I'm just repetitious. <laughs> I've done this a million times. But it's for me. Mm. I mean, art, in the classic words of Richard Serra, art is purposely useless. Yep. You know, it's, it's to satisfy the soul. It's to satisfy some voice in your head that needs to get out. Yep. You know, and the purer it gets the more disturbing and awkward it is for people to look at it. Yeah. That I find. I That's why I think this book is going to be like, a lot of people are going to look at it and go like, you know, especially in the Me Too era what we live in. I was going to I was going to ask you that, like, because um, I was actually having a conversation with our mutual friend Clay the other day, and we were talking about, like, because um, a lot of the photos in your book, um, it's a lot of new photography, it's a lot of women, mm-hmm. a lot of, like, I guess, I don't know if you shot it as, like, a sexual way. I mean, there's, photos of people having sex on in the book yeah <laughs> like you said we're in an era where um people are very sensitive to sex and gender and all these things mm-hmm. i guess like when they're looking at this work like what are you hoping they'll take away from it is there like a message behind it um i guess what's your take well i think that everything comes with a tongue-in-cheek moment there's not many pages that are blatantly just a sexual act or a nude body, or a, I mean, there's always something being done. Um, I feel in general, the, the, the beauty of the, of the female form is usually much more like thought of, and, and how I see it, is I love the beauty and the motion and, and how the body moves. And um, the female form has always been obviously the more accepted process for you know society, whether it be male or female. Females you know, I know a lot of female um, photographers who shoot female nudes. And it's interesting. I love seeing how they do it compared to how I would do it. It's obviously a different conversation. I mean, it's funny because I spent, I used to just take pictures in hotel rooms. And it was and it was mainly for the reason, it's like I would say on Instagram, I'd say, I'm in town, I'm going to shoot. And then someone would come over for an hour and I'd take pictures, just finding pieces of light. Yeah. And that was mostly just to break my head up. Because, you know, I'd spent two or three days in a studio, and I was off, you know, and I was doing that. So I would, they would come around. I'd just run around and take pictures. I wouldn't think much about it. I wouldn't do much about it. Then it kind of, I was able to finally kind of build my studio and get my studio going. And and then I started working on ideas and like more, like, I know what everyone sees, like, you know, the Treats magazine or the, you know, the, you can see a million, um, uh, you know, uh, Instagram feeds of beautiful women in bikinis and or half clad on beds or whatever you want to say. Yeah. And that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. You know, I was looking for more either the classic sense of looking at the body or the destruction of beauty, mm. you know. And so I was always trying to basically through movement, through blur, through distortion, through me drawing back onto it to playing around with it is that's what I was working toward with that. But and 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 my book it's not for everybody. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's the bottom line is that, but I have the right to make that book 
and you have the right to buy it or not buy it. Yep. You know what I mean? It's not like it's it's a moral imperative that everyone who loves my work has to buy this book. They might not get it. They might be looking for something different. I would be hard pressed to find anybody who follows my work and knows me not to a hundred percent like it. Yeah, because it's it's every aspect. It's every um, thing coming out of my brain. And it looks if you look follow my Instagram, it's like all over the place. I mean, it's not just one thing. I use it sometimes as a sales tool, saying this is what I've shot recently, and then I go, this is what I was drawing over the weekend. This is a picture of my dog. I mean, it's like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? So. I, to address to address the aspect of more the whole problem of the whole you know being uh, sensitive, I guess to being what it is is I I I don't think anything is 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 uh, is violent in it, and I don't think but if you and, it, and everyone always looks around and they go oh what's this and then they find the joke in it yeah it's like there's one page where there's uh, it's a collage of a boxing ring and there's like oh the peach or something there's like, like a peach and there's, yeah, there's yeah, like yeah. the portion of a woman's body and there's something being held right and then if you look in that picture you see a little kid going like what the fuck it's just kind of like and that's the joke i mean you're supposed to find and joke has darkness joke has you know not everyone's going to get the humor of dave Chappelle or a or a bill burr or a jim jeffries yeah you know what i mean they might want to listen to something a lot more tame you know and i think that people who levitate toward my stuff always kind of are open to a little more you know, stretching their brain and stretching yeah. them, stretching their their uh, their ability to see. You know, so if anything, I think it's just yeah, like you said, maybe some people they don't like it, they might be offended by it or whatever. But at the very least, it opens a conversation and it allows people. Because yeah. um, the interesting thing about like technology and all these podcasters things over like the last ten years, it's like. I can't remember a time where there's this, like, you can just get so many opinions from so many different people, and that's the kind of interesting thing about art is, like, like you made that artwork, and it could be, like, some nude and some girl you shot in a hotel, and people just make this story up in their mind of, like, what the situation was, but yeah. for all they know, you guys are, like, eating Doritos and, like, just goofing around, you know what I mean? You're objectifying her, you or you're objectifying him. I mean, there's a million different things you can say about a picture. Yeah, that can be said about a portrait. You're objectifying somebody. I mean, if you if you you know you can look at anything as being that. And I think the biggest part of the thing you just said was conversation. Is that we don't have conversation anymore. Is that there's not a one to one. If somebody's upset about something, yeah, and um, you, uh, and it's I and I think it's, I find it's totally a generational thing because I find it only to be with people of a certain age that. If you confront them about like why are you not happy, what did I what did I say that upset you? What did I do that upset you? Yeah. What did I any of that kind of stuff doesn't really or even the point that you don't express you're uncomfortable. What you do afterwards, you go back and you complain about it. Yeah. And that to me is kind of like if you'd only in the moment. And I know everyone talks about the power, the power, and this and that. But if we don't start to just basically saying I'm uncomfortable or I don't like what you said. Or, you know, this is what I feel. If we don't start having conversation, yeah, it, nothing will grow. Yep. It's only going to be a, a culture of complaint, yep. which is I get to, I got to complain. And by the act of complaining and no one questioning a complaint, yep. you know, you, you are stuck in the situation where, you know, this is what you have, you know, and I would love to have open conversation. I would love to have, you know, um, have somebody turn to somebody and say, you know, I, not in the middle of a comedy show, obviously, but I mean, like, in everyday life, if somebody did something, and whether it even be said that 
it could be racially, it could be politically, it could be anything. I mean, I've been at more dinners lately where people say no politics. I mean, blatantly do not want to get into political conversations and everyone has to agree to it because, and it's important because do you really want to take that slippery slope because it's so easy now and you'll always find one person who doesn't agree with you in what you're saying. California, a lot harder, but you know, I mean, I travel to Europe all the time, so I'm always, you know, I go back and forth and I get accosted by people in Europe going like, what is going on in America? And, you know, and of course, if you're in London, you can look back and go, what is happening with Brexit? You know, yeah. and it's all that kind of stuff. And that stuff always has that ability. But if you can have an open conversation about that and say, if we all agree that we get to spend 10 minutes really discussing this, yeah. really not, not screaming, yelling, but openly being open to hearing two sides of a conversation. What's your opinion? What's mine? Yeah. Uh, you see it this way. This is how I see it. Can you see I see it that way? Can you see how I see it? I mean, it's, that to me would be amazing to see people do that. I think it's all about intent for me. Like, it, it, whatever message you're trying to convey or whatever, it's like, it's all about intent. Like, like one of, some of my, a couple of my best friends, man, like, they're Republican and they even voted for Trump, but I'm not like, I don't agree at all. Like, I fucking hate Trump. But I'm not like one of these people. I'm like, yo, fuck off. Like, I still, we, I mean, I'm at the bar last last Saturday and we're just talking about it. And it's like interesting. Yeah. Where I think it's just like weird. I don't know, not to get too political, but it's like. <laughs> see, here it goes. See, it, 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 I, see but I don't, I don't have a problem. It doesn't no. seem like you have a problem either. Like, I like no. talking about this shit because no. it's like, uh, yeah, like I don't hate the dude. Uh, my friends, I, I love them, but I don't agree with them. But it's like, I have no problem talking to people about this stuff. It's wild. Yeah. Um, but some people just can't do it. But that, that happens also in the arts. That happens in like, I mean, I've sat at places and people talk about photographers and photography and what they enjoy and what they don't enjoy. Or did you see this? Can you see that? And I, and I, and it's a little, for some reason, it's easier to say, you know, I went and saw this exhibition. Oh, I hated it. And they were like, oh, I thought it was the best thing I ever saw. What did you like about it? Yeah. I mean, like, and, and, and of course, even this, the tone I just said, what did you like about it? It was like, you should say, oh, I'm curious. What did you like about that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, and you hear their side and some, I mean, I've actually had people turn me around to the other side about art sometimes or music. Hell yeah. And, and because suddenly I didn't understand certain reasons of why. Like, why was this created? What was going on with this? And by the act of listening in yeah. a conversation, yep. I was able to kind of turn around and really have a conversation about it. And, and, and was educated myself. What, 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 what a concept. And, yeah. and, then I, and, and then you turn, you say, I'm so sorry. You're right, 100%. I'm so sorry. Wow, that would be, that's really hard, I know, but for people. But I think it's important that thing, people start saying that. They should work on a little basis of saying, I'm sorry to people. Yeah. Little things when you do things like, I'm sorry. Just start saying it so you understand that you can say it and it does, the world doesn't collapse around you, which would be amazing to me, you see. So, yeah. But, you know, that's a whole different conversation. And, you know, like, I'm always interested, like, having a chance to, like, talk to photographers like you and, like, over the course of the last couple of years, like, you and Dan Winters and Joe Pug and these guys who have, like, reached a level of success in photography that not a lot of people get to. Mm-hmm. At least in my mind, that's how I view it. Like, you guys have done a lot. People are striving to get there. Mm-hmm. With success... Like, one, do you feel successful? Two, like, what does success mean to you? And, like, do you feel like there's any, like, uh, element of luck within success? Or what's your view? Um, I think it's everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of luck. Being the right place at the right time. Meeting someone for the right... Being, meeting someone or just you happen to run into somebody one day and the next day they go, oh, yeah, Frank. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, it's like it's the constant reminder of like, you know, you're alive. Yeah. You know, because you hear those people are like, I'm self-made. I'm like, what a, what the fuck does that even mean? We're all self-made. Yeah, exactly. We're all, we're all self-made. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, and I think with success, I mean, success, what is success? I mean, success, it, I think there is an illusion that I, I do everything. Yeah. I mean, people have said it to me and I and I kind of laugh and I go, I really don't. Yeah. I just have done things that you've seen. Yep. You know, um, I, I, I've had certain clients I've had for years and then they go away and they decide to try somebody else for a yeah. while. And then you go, oh, well, I'm not anything different. Okay, well, we'll go on to the next person. And then somebody else comes out of nowhere and then you start working with them. Yeah. So, I mean, no one's clamoring to work with me. Let me say that much. No one's. Frank no, still, Frank still has slow months. Yes. I, I haven't. I've had uh, I, I've had two months off at a time and do nothing. Yeah, it was kind of great at the beginning of the year. Actually, we worked a bunch. I did three projects in a row at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and then I was down for two months. Wow! But I call it the gift of the photo gods because in that two months you was problems. the book. Yep, the book was basically fin- finalized. It was sent to the. It was sent off to the designer. It was agreed upon by everything else. So to me, it's like you have to look at why you're being given this time. Sometimes now I know there's a lot of guys sitting around for three, four, five, six months doing nothing. That's I, I get it. And and should and then I get a lot of questions like I get people calling me. Should I give up? Yeah. And I'm like, well, that that's really a personal question. You have to know why you're giving up, yeah. you know, and what you're doing. So, but to get back to the point, what you asked me about the success thing is, um, I'm not good with compliments. I've never been good. My wife makes fun of me for it because I always try to, when someone compliments me, I usually basically spin it around and basically make it not about that at all. Um, I've, the book is an interesting conversation because they said to me doing the book, somebody at one point said, do you think you, enough people like your work that they'd buy the book? There's 5,000 copies. Oh, okay. 5,000 copies. Five thousand. I'm just gonna say that again. When they said it to me, I was kind of like, "Really? Like, you know, I'd say twenty five hundred to maybe, maybe." No, man, they're gonna do a second printing, Frank. Yeah, uh, wherever going, yeah, it'd be, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. But uh, it's it was fascinated when I, you know, and I even laughed because someone said, "Well, you have twenty seven, I don't know, twenty six thousand followers on Instagram or something like that." And I said, "Yeah." And they go, "So all you need is about a quarter of, like, less than a quarter of them to buy the book." Yeah. And I was like. Yeah, I cut, get cut that. out ten percent to bots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Because if you look actually, what on the average when people like your stuff, I've never the the most I've ever had is a thousand yeah. likes. So that's a crime, Frank. <laughs> and and on average, it's three hundred. Yeah. So if you have twenty six, so that's all bullshit. You can't. I mean, people own. I mean, like model agencies live on that stuff nowadays of of their their models getting like you know. 20, 267,000 or 1 million followers. But that doesn't really, that doesn't mean you're successful. It just means somehow that somebody has, you know, enough people want to see your boobs or see your naked pictures or like that. I mean, I mean, anytime I post anything, it's too, like, that like gets like toward nudity. Oh, it always jumps. And I, and it's like, you, it's like, it's like playing the card. It's like playing a card. If I haven't any likes in a while. Here, I'll throw one of this out. Here, here you go, kids. It's, it's the blessing and curse of social media. Like I was talking, I had dinner last night with Dominic Desaia. Who used yeah, to Dominic. Work for yeah. You. And we were talking about social media where it's like, yeah, it's this great platform to use your work and be creative and get it out there. Yeah. But then we were talking like sometimes it can, because 
like you're saying, like people think you're this like out here shooting movie posters every goddamn week yeah. and this like killing it, and it's all it's all an illusion. There's a lot yeah. of smoke and mirrors with like uh, social media and like what you put out there. You can make yourself look as busy as you want on there, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of photographers, like me and Dominic, were saying, like yeah, it can be like a real mind fuck, and you can kind of get like depressed looking at what other people are doing. Sure. As a young photographer yourself, did you ever go down those traps of like comparing yourself to what other people are doing or anything? Oh, I think like- you always do. I still do. Yeah, I still, I still look at you know I have friends that are photographers. We do the same thing, and I still will sometimes like see that that they're doing things, and I'm like you know you know I was like I mean and it, exactly what you're talking about is uh, uh my friend Brian Brian Bowen Smith. So Brian and Brian loves making videos of himself when he's working, and he makes these great little joke videos with his assistants and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and um, he seems to always have them, and so if you went by that. There's, he hasn't not worked in the day yeah. in, in the last three years. I mean, he's always <laughs> he's out like, here cashing <laughs> <checks>. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I love that about him. But he and he's he's become tremendously probably one of the most entertaining Instagrams that I follow. And his stories because yeah. his stories are very funny because he makes fun of himself and he he shows his assistants and you know and so it's kind of it's kind of a wonderful. He shows process. I, on the other hand, am always having to sign these NDAs. Like, oh, yeah. I, ma- I made a joke. I was going to start making an Instagram called The Box in, like, the Apple Box. And today, the Apple Box is in London. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it's sitting in a large room <laughs> near some gray seamless. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then you guys go, and then you go next. And you get, and then just, like, just to start showing, like, the same thing over and over again. But I can't ever show you anything. I can't talk about it. I can't do anything about it. Yeah. It's like, you know, and it, and it's a very kind of a funny thing to me, you know. So, yeah. But it's, it's, but success is weird. It's like, it's, yes, uh, people like Dan and Joe and I, I mean, we've all, you know, I would say, I don't even know what the percentage of actually success in photography is. And no, but even, not even success, but known. There are photographers that are successful, but no one knows who they are. But they make a lot more money than I do. I love that shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, these are guys who shoot advertising or, or, or like corporate stuff or things that. Pharmaceutical. That, yeah. And, and it's, and it's as bad as, it's as bad as acting in the sense that more people know TV actors than they do movie actors. Yeah. And movie actors, a lot of times, like there's some great movie actors that no one has any idea who they are. Yeah. Right? And then they'll see like, you know, um, a Kardashian or something, you know, and they're like, oh my God. You know? And it's like, and you're looking at the talent pool of what that is or even just because of what people are looking at more. Yeah. You know? So photography wise, it's like we are known, Dan and I and Joe, because we shoot celebrities. Yep. That's why you know who I am. I shoot musicians. I shoot movie posters. Like if I shot pharmaceutical ads all the time, you wouldn't be sitting here talking to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would, Frank. You would. <laughs> <laughs> how do I, I would have had to beg that, you to come over. How do I, I get that Pfizer campaign, <laughs> yeah, man? <I'm> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a similar thing. It's like each thing is different. And so I, I don't think anyone... It, no, I mean, I say this when I teach. I say, know why you're being a photographer. Yep. If you're doing it for the money, there's a whole different strain. Don't take my class. Don't talk to me about it because I have no idea how to make money in this Go business. work in like corporate finance or because, as you know, photography is like, it, there's no straight path. Like, no. And it's constantly changing. Like, mm-hmm. like you were saying, like you have clients, you lose clients, you yeah. get new ones, and it's just like an unstoppable roller coaster yeah are you have you gotten used to this the up and downs like because this is even something myself i'm 34 right now and i'm like i'm working like but i'm always just like what am i gonna am i gonna be getting hired when i'm like 
60 or whatever because i still need to make money you know what yeah. i mean is that something you like you think about was ever in your mind like is am i gonna keep getting hired or is it do you get to yeah. a point you get every to, year yeah. every time i turn around and i sit for a month or so i go oh that was it that was <laughs> that was that was it everyone just kind of suddenly said you know we've done enough with frank i think we can move on to the next guy you know what i mean i you don't know i mean i don't have enough of an ego to think that i'm that i'm the be all the end all of anything you know i mean it'd be nice to be that it'd be nice to have everyone you know clamor to work with me yeah you know that but i think that you know i think i think people a lot of people will look at me and say i've always wanted to work with you doesn't doesn't mean they were ever gonna and and then there's no reason why they didn't yeah you know what i mean all you do is call me yeah. it's like you know it's kind of like <laughs> i'm just sitting here you know yeah. it's not like i said no yeah you know it's like you know and i don't i mean i i I've done. I do a lot of things just because I'm curious. Sometimes, like even like my agent will call me and say, "There's this job," and you know, blah blah blah. And but the budget's only this, and I'll be like, "Well, I've never done that, yeah. so why don't I go try it?" You know, and she'll be like, "Really?" And she's she's like, "Yeah." She goes like, "Okay," you know, and you know, and she thinks at my point I shouldn't be doing some of that stuff. But she that's what that's but that's what you need the voice in your head to say to you things like that. Because then it's just like for one, you might get a great photograph. You might have a good time. And that this might open a door to like this some other thing like you don't know. Nothing ever opens a door to anything else. I will dispel that that mist. I will. No matter anything anyone has ever said to me about a job, hey, if you do this or if you like, I remember back. Well, in no, the- not like that. I was saying more like like I've had like I shot like some little projects for myself, and then mm-hmm. I ended up like. Time some magazine, yeah. got some jobs that way. That's what a I meant. Thing. Okay, Not yeah. like yeah, for sure. Yeah. Every time anyone's like, "Do me a favor," and we'll get on there. Yeah, that never fucking works. Oh, never, yeah. never. It's never. Or even some, when someone says, "Hey, you're gonna do this massive portfolio for a magazine." I mean, I did a couple over the years in my life, right? Where, where I would do like you know these huge portfolios of images, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's gonna be so good for you." And I'm like, mm, "No, it's not. It's just gonna be that I get to do it." It's like loaning and, someone money. Like yeah. it's a gift. Like if you, it's you gone. You, you, that, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Like the minute you get the money, just say goodbye to it and don't think it's ever gonna come back. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And if it comes back, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. You know? But yeah, I think that that's you know, I think a lot of young photographers will look at me and say, "Should I be doing this? Should I be doing?" This? And and the thing about it is, the first, I mean, I'm almost sixty now, and I would say in the last. 22 years of my life of of you know of being in the photo industry mm-hmm. it's like it's i mean i've i've been in longer than that but i mean it's just it's you don't make any money you don't really ever make any money doing this even at my at the level of what i'm doing it it was always it's always kind of a wash sometimes because sure you might be getting a big job but then you're sitting around for a month or two weeks or a week and then sometimes you're working non-stop like you're working you do two or three jobs in a row well you know, it's a good thing they pay you enough that basically allows you to kind of keep. And I've always kept my lifestyle very, very minimal for yeah. that reason because I just don't want to suddenly have such an overhead that I can't. If everything did go south, yeah, you know what I mean. So I want less shit. I, I, had, I had my yeah, less shit. Be great. Yeah, <laughs> look at this. It's more, like more. This, this is this is teenage shit. You're yeah. sitting around right now. This is like that's kid stuff. Yeah, this is all the kid stuff. Yeah, you're sitting in the middle of like the recording studio with the drum kit and everything because my son is obsessed by you know wanting to produce music and bands and and plays all these instruments, which is great. You know, and you support that as much as you can. Yeah. You know? 
So that's actually I was gonna ask you in your book. There's a lot of photos of your kids and like yeah. your family and stuff <laughs> mixed around naked ladies and uh, and weird people. Yes, because <laughs> uh, I'm one of my best friends, Jesse Burke. He he he, is, he shoots his family a lot and he's like published books. And I've asked him the same thing. Was there ever like any uh, did you, did you feel weird about putting your family in the in the book, your kids and stuff, or mm. were you ever like it was not really? It's part of your life. I mean, I think that there's every photographer. Every photographer that I've, I've been obsessed by or appreciate and knows the passion what they do with their kids end up in there. Mm-hmm. Mink Dan. Yep. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, Nadav Kander. Um, if you think of people that there's always a picture of their kid that like kind of surfaces out of something, you know, that kind of uh, comes through because it's they're part of your every day, yeah. you know, and, and how would they not be? And of course, in the, the, a lot of the pictures of my kids, they're not typical kid pictures. Obviously, I've... I've put the weirder ones in there which is what i wanted to do and and uh, i don't want your son with a plastic bag on his head or oh the plastic bags yeah well, and, and that's like the t- yeah that's a double that's but they both had headlights you know and it was like so which is kind of hysterical so you know but i think it's a uh, it's you know because beckett and coop uh have both grown up with the camera in their face and um so much so that even when they were younger um, Beckett was the uh, iPhone kid, so I was hired before the iPhone came out. Um, Apple would hire me to go do family vacations. Well, I did a family vacation. I did spring break in Palm Springs, and then they hired me with your family, with my family, and then to go shoot your family. Yeah, so it was me through my eyes. This is how they use iPhone. Not with the iPhone. The iPhone didn't exist then. Oh, shit. So this was like I'd shoot these little movies for iLife. So you could take your pictures, load them in the computer, and you could plug them into these programs called iLife, and they would give you these little things, right? So they hired me to go uh, to Italy, and it was a we did four cities in five days. We blasted through Italy. Yeah, that's I mean, a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. We were started in Positano and ended up in Rome. And then it went to Venice. Damn, you guys were trucking. Yeah, and Florence. We went Florence, Rome, Venice, and Pasadena. So we blasted through all this. And my sons were, I think, six and four at the time. Okay. And um, uh, so the idea was dad was taking the pictures and doing filming. And, but we had a film crew with us to film everything in case, you know, to do that right. Got but it. a lot of it, and I directed the filming, and I directed the photography, and then... There was photography done, and then I took pictures through the eyes of that they would be looking at me because they're my kids, you know. And I then the photographer they hired was an old assistant of mine, so that the kids knew I had them hire. Then I go make more sense to hire someone the kids know, because yeah. if you if you put somebody in here they don't know, they're not going to react to him where they know him and they'll react to him. So he became the photographer, and so we ran around and we did all these pictures and. Uh, when it got we got back they did the whole thing and and uh so when the first iphone came out and they were saying this is what it does this is what it does right they go and he even takes pictures and all of a sudden there's this little kid you know and he's like looking back and then he says like roma on his t-shirt and then there's another one of him eating spaghetti i think or something like that and uh so he was on that so he was like so he was Suddenly he's thrown out into the world, you know. I yeah. abused my family. Yeah. <laughs> not nah, it's really interesting, man. I, I enjoy the photos. I'm always just kinda curious. Like I have a problem, like I don't really photograph I feel more comfortable photographing a stranger than photographing my family. Like, I don't, it's always oh, been yeah. like, it's like two separate things. I don't know. It's just how I kinda operate. I don't yeah. know why. Um 
And, you know, in, in your book, I saw the introduction. I believe it was your agent. Uh, was it Carol Lafuffy? Lafuffy, yeah. Um, she's your agent, right? She's been my agent all my career. So we have the longest standing relationship, I think, of anybody that's ever had with their agent. I, I think it's we're up on, are we 30 years? Wow. Yeah. We did a lecture about it last year for APA um, where I talked about this is who I was, and these are the pictures I was taking. Yep. And then I did this, and then I met Carol. And then we talked about our relationship over the years and all the steps we took and how we how she supported my vision and where we went through. And, and you know, she started out at, you know, at Outline and then Outline to Art and Commerce. And then Art and Commerce, she now owns her own company out here. Mm. So um, Why do you think it's worked so long? Because I know I have so many friends. I have friends who've been in lawsuits with their agents and this like, why do you think that they've stolen from them or not treated them well or forgotten about them or put their books on the shelves and weren't getting them work anymore. And those stories are all all true. Yeah, Yeah, they all happen. Uh, Carol, on the other hand, is not that kind of photographer. I mean, she was a photographer and Carol's history is pretty amazing. I mean, she was Annie Leibowitz, the studio manager, during the kind of the you know, the most like the kind of the most known years yeah. when uh, Andrew Eccles was the assistant. Oh yeah, that kind of yeah, awesome. that's how far back that was. And she she uh, oh, she did work. She's friends with Stephen Mizell and like a lot of photographers, a lot of big photographers because she's been around so many years. She's really photo oriented. I mean, she knows the industry. She loves photography. That's a th- that's the main thing that I've realized. Which, yeah, the target agents, the ones. That love it, they get it. Yeah. But then there's some that at some point it's just about cashing checks and this getting yeah. the next thing, and it's they. Well, that those are the people who don't get their artists unless they want to just represent people like that. Yeah. But Carol was always like, I didn't like, you know, she was support always supportive of me hand making my 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 portfolios like my journals, and she was the one who turned and when uh, when MTV needed you know video directors. You know, and, and she's like, you should be a director. Now, she's not going to make any money if I go off and become a director, right? Yeah, that has nothing to do with her. Yeah. But she's like, oh, and she set up a meeting for me to go meet Stavros Majoros, who owned HSI. And I went and I had lunch with him. And then I came back and I go, he wants me to make something. She goes, well, go make it. And then she was supportive of me going off and making music videos and commercials. And, and then, you know, she's always been supportive. Like, she'll be supportive if I say to her, uh, I'm down. I can't do it. I'm going to basically be in the studio painting. I said, if you really need me, call me. But otherwise, I'm not going to do anything. And she'll be like, okay. Interesting. And what I can say to her, I don't want to do that job. You know, and she'll be like, um, okay. Yeah. She's supportive of whatever. Because she knows of our history that she knows. Um, how you operate. Well, how I operate and, how, and, and what's what's been best for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she's got, you know, she represents a lot of photographers, you know. Over the years, and she, you know, she's had Marilyn Mark and Richard Burbridge and Ellen Ellen Unworth, and I mean, these are all people that, that have relied on her for their careers, and and you know, and now it's like you know, it's Sam Jones and uh, myself and 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 Michael Michael and Michael Christopher Brown and and um, there's a bunch of young guys now too, um, you know, Nigel Perry. I mean, oh, Nigel, yeah. not, not Nigel Perry, sorry, Perry Ogden. Yeah. <laughs> we said it wrong. Perry Ogden, yeah, out of uh, Ireland, and I mean, she has a bunch of people now that she's very connected to. Yep. That are very. She tries to run like more like family than anything else. She, res- and, she and, respects it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And as much as we respect her, us going off and doing things, we respect her going off. Her, you know, she loves architecture, so she'll go off and she'll do architectural, like you know, you know, voyages and like she'll do all these kind of things that she does. So we kind of all support each other in the and and doing that. It's the bigger picture of the arts and that kind of thing. So I heard a rumor. I don't know if this is true, but I heard that you don't know how much you're making before you go on a job. Like you, you just let your agent handle it, and you just yeah, I have no idea. That's wild. No, but why? But why no? I don't know. I guess. I don't know. I guess I, was I only know if the job comes in and it's way under. Like they'll say they can't afford this, but they can afford this. Interesting. And it's like, and I and I'll go like, well, what? What? And I have often said to Carol, I go, well, what do I normally make to do this? <laughs> and she'll like, well, you make this, and I go, oh, okay, well, I can make that. I mean, I, it's that, that seems like a lot. I could probably do it for that, you know. And and you know, it's always a conversation. It's always like when she and I always talk about that kind of stuff. I. I, I know in general what my day rate is. I know what people pay. I There's a day rate, and then there's what people pay. Yep. Not every studio pays the same. Not every network pays the same. Yep. And then you have to choose who you want to work for, you know, why you want to do it. You know, there's, like, the music industry is if you're shooting music, you're doing it because you love the musician. Because yep. on average, you're almost basically breaking even to do the job. Yep. But Carol still is very supportive of me doing music. Yeah. Like very thinks it's very important that I go and shoot music and do, I mean I'll contact musicians sometimes and I lat about a year and a half ago I contacted this uh, this uh, singer songwriter Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah. And you know she, you know I'd heard one song of hers and I was like this girl's amazing and I went and saw it and then her manager I called her manager and her manager goes well come down and see her perform she's performing tomorrow night and I went and met her and. She came over one afternoon and we shot pictures here. We went wandering around. It was just she and I and my assistant, my George, and and we just shot pictures and I gave them to her. And then when she got her her label deal, she made the label buy a couple pictures from me, which was great. It wasn't necessary. I mean, I wanted her to basically have pictures and yeah. what she wanted to do. And and I, I think that's kind of important, especially if you're trying to support young art and like that kind of thing. But money is like one of those things is like You just have that level of trust in your agent. Well, I have that level of trust in my agent. And I also don't want to think that, you know, I'm doing this job because I'm being paid so much money. That almost freaks me out more so because it's almost like saying, like, yeah, it's like someone saying, you know, we've paid a lot of money to have you here. You better produce. Wow. I mean, that, I mean, no one's ever said that to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd say that to myself. Yep. I mean, said it like, Jesus, they paid me all this money and I'm standing here and, you know, and, and you know, I can't figure it out, you yep. know. Yeah, that's interesting, man. Um, what what gives you stress in life? Like you seem like like you say you're like bohemian. My sons, <laughs> your son, yeah. Because <laughs> like you seem, like you say like you're like a bohemian lifestyle. You got this like where you live is like pretty amazing. You got this art studio, this always creating. Like what stresses you out these days? Like anything? I think the world stresses me out right now. I mean, I I don't like where we are in the world. I don't like the general sense of people and how we're all treating each other and how divisive it's become that's i look I, i'm a, i mean my wife and i turn the news off sometimes we just can't watch it anymore just because it's just you know and then to raise our sons it's like you know you you, you want your kids to succeed but you know it's you don't want to hand it to them mm-hmm. you know i mean i can't there's nothing i can hand to my sons to be honest i mean i kind of laugh at them all the time going you know if i stopped working we'd have nothing right you know there's there's nothing there's no backup plan you know yeah. what i mean yeah, <laughs> nothing yeah. like so you better go figure it out you know and and you know it's uh you know you're not you know you're not going to go to neither one of them well they didn't go to my younger one went to a private school but not not a very big one and then my young my older one never went to a private school he was always in public school and mm. 
he uh so i've never really kind of bought into that and it's also just the expense i mean but my younger one now is looking at universities and that kind of stuff and it's wild man like yeah. it's crazy how expensive schools yeah are, it's really you know it was you know it's, it's 60 grand to go to sva you know that's like housing and everything and that's not even including you, you got to feed them yeah it's so like it's like 70 like, yeah so it's like it's kind of crazy what you know what it costs nowadays to do things but what stresses me out i don't know i just i it's I think if I don't feel like I'm growing, I get a little. When I when I've sat around sometimes and um and not done anything different, like I'll just do things sometimes because I haven't done it in a while. Yeah. So like if I sit for two months and I haven't shot, I will I will definitely shoot something. I'll pull I'll pull cameras out, but I'll shoot something, but not in the way that I would do a job. I would just shoot something for myself to remind myself the process. Yeah. But then I'll also get into doing other things in the middle of that and, and all that feeds back i mean all of the the journals and the drawing and the and the stuff all feeds back to um you know doing how i see i guess is the best way to say so. yeah no it's interesting and with like all the uh, movie posters and stuff you do are you are you someone do you enjoy watching movies yeah what was the last what was the last thing you saw recently that you enjoyed uh recently did um, you did you see midsummer no, you I'm not, I, everyone says I'm supposed to see that movie. Yeah, I think it's. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Like I think you might like it. It's pretty fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of. I, I'm not a big horror fan, even though I've watched a couple lately. I have a tendency to watch because I never seem to be able to plan anything. I watch a ton of movies on airplanes. Yeah, and it's not the best way to see it. I mean, and the you know, it's just not a place to see like certain movies. I'll be like, I'm not going to watch them. Certain movies movie. are like great on an airplane. Yeah, like, but certain <laughs> movies just because you're going to like looking at the storyline. There's like a couple I've watched that I've been like, holy Christopher, this is the most bizarre movie that I've seen. A lot of art films, like they play a lot of good art films, which is kind of you know kind of mm-hmm. great. So I mean, we're we're trying to go to Jojo Rabbit tonight. We're thinking I'm trying to get my sons back because I want to go see Jojo Rabbit. Oh really? Which is like just looks like amazing visually in the story and everything about it. it's kind of crazy do you see tarantino's new movie no i haven't yeah. so it's you like photograph them though yeah i've <laughs> shot him i've shot yeah i i I, I sometimes miss a lot of the big movies yeah. but um but i mean it's funny the last movie i went and saw in a movie theater was isle of dogs oh yeah i think what kind of what are some movies you like that i like to watch yeah um I have guilty pleasure movies, and then I have movies that I watch visually. Like, I watched Amelie the other day again. I got the walk downstairs, and it was on. Yeah. And I sat there and just got sucked into it, mm-hmm. and just the visuals of it. I mean, visual movies are much more, and then if it's not that, it's got to be the storyline. If the act, like, if you know someone's really going to go through something, and um, and you are totally pulled. I mean, I'm drawing a blank right now, but I've seen two or three lately that I've suggested to people, and I can't remember what they are, so I'm so do you, yeah. that's do the you, older mind working right there that's, that's all right i can't remember <laughs> do you do you think you would ever want to make a movie with all the time you've spent like on movie sets and stuff or working on these projects Is i that, was i was offered years ago to do that yeah it wasn't like an itch or anything it wasn't under my it was back when i was directing music videos and commercials yeah and um it was definitely to do a blockbuster like you know crashes and sex scenes and that shit yeah it's yeah. like you know, and I made a joke saying, and they go, what kind of movie you want to make? And I was like, have you ever seen my dinner with Andre? And they would just look at me and I'd be like, yeah, that's the movie I want to make. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's a, you know, yeah. I mean, I, we've been, my wife and I binge watch a lot of TV. So like, we'll, you know, like, uh, like Fleabag or, okay. you know, or the Kaminsky uh, method, I think is, is, I love Alan Arkin. 
and uh yeah, he's great yeah and uh, yeah, michael douglas is great in it and it's the writing of um of uh oh geez my mom went blank he's really he did like the big bang theory and yeah and uh whatever um you should check oh, out Lori. Jo- uh, uh, Lori. you should Chuck check out Lori. succession it's yeah a, yeah it, it's we've yeah, watched all that that's amazing i mean there's a lot of that kind of stuff which is good because tv almost i like how things are so drawn out now that you can actually watch really you know, really good. You know, I just I kind of binge watched um, uh, Mindhunter this year because I watched last yeah, year. Yeah, that I was love good. That movie. I love that. It's so slow and it grinds and it's just a very classic Fincher in that way. And I I think it's probably one of the most amazing things to watch. You know, I watch because all the characters are individually nuts in their own. Right? <laughs> like, There's just so much going on there that it's like the visual and that there is no. It's all true and you know. So yeah. I watch a lot of documentaries too. I just got done watching the Monty Python documentary I never got is, into Monty Python this wasn't my sense of humor I, I, I've tried to watch it I've never got yeah, into it yeah it's, it's a, it is it's one of those things it's like, yeah. it's like a lot of it's like I never got into um, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm I couldn't ever understand I could see that the uncomfortableness to humor of that way it yeah. doesn't doesn't really hit me yeah. so but I know it's funny because I've watched some of it and I'm like oh okay I got it you know yeah um, you recently did the you did the movie poster for the El Camino, um, the okay. Breaking Bad. Like, what do you call it? The uh, oh, for uh, yeah, for um, I don't know what you what's the technical term. <laughs> gonna... The movie after the show, El yeah, Camino, yeah. is on Netflix about Breaking yeah, it's Bad. Break, yeah, it's a, it's El Camino movie. It's about the Breaking Bad movie. That's and, how they call it. Yeah, and it seems like you've photographed Aaron Paul a few times now. And I was kind of curious, like when you photograph someone like multiple times, do, do you feel like it gets easier? Um, do you get better stuff? more and more you work with someone you think depends on the actor i think i've been lucky there was a time frame with amc where i shot a lot for them and um and for some reason and i don't know i don't know maybe it's just the quality of the program and they were doing at the time but you had john ham you had aaron paul and um and um uh Brian Cranston, and you had, uh, and then you had, on the other hand, you had Andy Lincoln, Andrew Lincoln on A Walking Dead. And every single one of those people would come to a shoot and they would give you 110%. Wow. Which is, as I'm, as I'm telling you, is like not, I mean, a lot of times I'm sent to shoot people on sets and I am the last thing they want to deal with. Okay. You know what I mean? Because it's it's hard. They're in the middle of doing the character and all of a sudden they have to stop and become this. And and how much somebody wants to do and how much they want to basically participate in the photo shoot. Aaron Paul is somebody who is um and I knew I mean I you know, you never know. Because you'll you'll I mean I hadn't seen Aaron in um a couple years, right? So when Netflix called and asked me about doing it, um, they said, uh, Aaron's really excited you're doing this. And I go, and then you get, you kind of sometimes you go, is he? It's like, okay. So then, you know, day of the shoot came around, the day before the shoot came around, and I walked downstairs, and they were all having breakfast, and Aaron had just gotten in. And uh, he kind of stood up, and he was like, man. He's like, and he gives me a hug, and I'm like, <laughs> yes, this is going to yes, go good. Good, good day. Good day. Okay, gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> but he's always, he's like the most normal person that you'd ever meet. I mean, he's like, I think he's more... He's, a, he's like I am with my career in the sense that we both, neither one of us can believe we're doing what we do. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, and, and, that, and that we're able to do what we want to do. Yeah. And I think he's, he's such a great actor and, and, and he brings so much. Like when you shoot him and you say, I need, I need you to fall apart for me. And he'll sit there and he'll just, he'll sit there and he'll start breathing heavily and he'll just like kind of throw him. And then all of a sudden he looks at you and, and his face is just like, yeah. everything's falling apart. That picture, um, because of the time frame of the day, we were—I um, was directing the motion spot, 
and shooting shooting oh, wow. the key art. And we were on a dirt road in the middle of an Indian reservation, about forty five minutes outside of of New Mexico. And the the time frame is that the majority of the time that had to be spent was motion in the night, mm-hmm. in the darkness. And Aaron had to be done by a certain time because he had to fly back to what he was doing. And um, so I was, and then so we, in the middle of that, so we figure we have X amount of hours of filming to do. We have to take care. It's got to be dark. It can't be can't be light. It has to be dark outside, yeah. right? So you have to figure when darkness is. Then you have to hit the time on that. Then you have to backtrack and say this is when the photography will happen. Yeah. Right. And so initially we were trying to do it, and then things think a couple things went wrong, and all of a sudden we were standing there, and the sun's gone behind the rocks. And I'm quickly just running around with Aaron in front of the of the, uh, and we're on this road, and and there's a whole film crew. Everyone's staying there, and I just start running around shooting him, like in front of the El Camino, so we have some random stuff. And then I start doing these portraits of him, and we're just standing in the middle of this dirt road, this red clay road that goes in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And everyone's sitting there, and we're just trying things and trying things, and throw the light here, try this here, okay, do this, try this. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I said, okay, let's just drop the, let's just basically, you know, put the shutter. At like about two fifty, drop all the go into darkness. Let's go into darkness, and and then I just I need a couple lights. Now it's still sun outside. I still can see, so I can't see exactly where the lights are going, but I have a general idea. And I have assistants, and they're on lights, and they're doing this. They're both moving, kind of countering each other as they're moving and filling back in. And out of nowhere, that picture came. I knew where it was going. Yeah. But it, there's only one frame like that. And and he hit it so beautifully because because he's not somebody he's listening and he's breathing and he's feeling the light and he's understanding what you need yeah and he's getting there for you which is like it's a gift and he's you know John Hamm did it every single time every year I did the Mad Men ads he was he would always a hundred percent sit down and he was like present like, immediately what do you mean to do am I this am I that he'd do this you know and Cranston and, and Andrew Lincoln's the same like he'd he got run around in ninety degree weather and ninety percent humidity and come back in sweating his ass off. Yeah. And then he'd say, "Am I supposed to be really intense?" And again, he'd start screaming, and jump around. He'd come back to me. He just look at me, and his eyes would be like, "Wow." I mean, you are you're now you're in the middle of filming somebody. Now you're it's, and but you're taking the still, and it's yeah. like, you know, and that's that's the gift when you get those. Those are like, you you, you should just say thank you because you can't make that happen. You can only ask. Yeah. As a photographer. Yeah. But you can't. You can't force any actor to do anything. Yeah, it really, really doesn't work that way. You're kind of like playing off each other at that point a little yeah. bit. Yeah, you appreciate, or if they say I don't want to do that, say great. What do you want to do? Yeah. Instead, instead of getting into the whole point of, well, I need you to do this. Yeah. I, I really need you to do this. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah. You know, you need to figure out. This person knows the character, and knows what they want to do. Find out what you need um, to do within what they will give you. Yeah. You know, you'll, that's, that's your job. You are like the cruise director at that point. If I can't get you on the shuffleboard deck, I'm going to get you over to the pool. I'm going to get you to, this your job. And, and you're going to be happy. You're going to be happy as I move you around here and you're still going to get what you need to do out of all that. So. Cause are there, are there like some shoots where like, like you're saying, like sometimes you have to give a lot of direction and then are there some times where you kind of just let the person kind of just run with it? Kind of, mm. you just kind of, you just kind of, well, you it. let them run sometimes. It's kind of fun. Sense, uh, um, uh, oh my god, my mind's going blank. It's all right. Um, Sam Rockwell. Yeah, <laughs> Sam Jackson. Sam Rockwell is one of my favorite people I've ever shot. I've shot him twice now, and I worked with him on Vice. And 
he came out and and I was sitting there. We were waiting for him to come out, and there was a treadmill. They wanted him walking and doing these portraits, and he came. And all of a sudden, I hear "Maneater" by um, by Daryl Hall and John Oates, <laughs> and we're in this massive soundstage, but we're like a portion of it. And all of a sudden, I turn over, and he's got like this little boombox he's carrying, and he's all dressed as George Bush. And he's kind of walking around, and he's he's da- he loves dancing. He's so good. So he gets up, and he starts getting on the treadmill, and he's spinning around, and he's playing around, and everyone's like, oh, he's, he, we, we can't use these. And I go, just let him play. I yeah, mean, he's he's having right. a great time. I'll get him there. It's going to happen, but he wants to do this. So and, and it's fun to watch, and it's good for him because I think it's his way to kind of get into the point of, you mean to do this? Yep. And then you get it. Yep. You know what I mean? If you... Don't allow the actor to go through process sometime of why they're there and what they're doing. You know, he needed to kind of get in his head of what that was. And he's he's amazing to shoot that and for that reason that he likes to play around and yeah. you know and then you kinda of watch someone go off on a tangent, you're like, We'll never use that and it's like, Well, it doesn't matter. Just let him go on the tangent for a second. And then you'll get the picturing over here. You yeah. Know? Don't be so rigid. Don't be putting up these walls. It's well, do you want do you want a hundred pictures of something that that the guy just sitting there staring at you because you're sitting there going like, No, I really need you to sit still. Yeah. It's like, what is that? It's like, yeah. you know, it doesn't make any sense. So. Yeah. A couple more questions. I'll let you go. Sure. Um, one shoot. I was excited to talk to you. Talk to you about. You shot Gucci Man. I think last. Gucci. last uh, how did that shoot come about, and what was your experience? Because you got a lot of really good stuff out of that shoot. Like it was, it was a, uh, it was a funny, it was a funny shoot because, because uh, we have hit. My crew has a history of Gucci Man, which is very. Funny. Oh, so you shot him multiple times? No. Okay. No. We were in uh, Detroit on a job, and uh, we had this big van, and somebody had left a Gucci Man CD in the car. And it was a song for Baby Wipes. And I was like, the, I forgot which album it was. Yeah. And uh, so we were all obsessed by Gucci Mane. So over the years, it became like the disc that we'd always kind of drag around. Yeah. And then, um, this is quite a few years ago. So we always kind of follow him. We always talk about him. Then my son started explaining who Gucci Mane was to me more because they understood more than I did it's about Gucci. him. It's Gucci. That's Gucci. <laughs> so, so Gucci turns around. And, and so out of nowhere, um, somebody to label. Uh, he had done some pictures. He wasn't happy. He was doing this thing called, um, uh, I forgot the name of the album now at this point, but, uh, and he, he just kind of, they said, look, he's done pictures, he doesn't like them, would you be interested in going down to shoot? And I'm like, yeah, what's he want to do? And he goes, he just wants you to do what you do. And maybe make some collages afterward, and make some drawings. Wow! And, so he was that, that involved with. The, oh yeah, no, he wanted he wanted me to really go that far. Like, how far that, can you push it? Is that common with the musician? Not really. Not no, not always. Yeah. No. Um, so you know, we went down, and we and uh, he showed up. I mean, a stylist showed up, and then uh, uh, the hair and makeup people showed up, and then he kind of rolled in. But there was like, I mean, the amount of clothing there was just insane like the costs and there was a guy walking around who had all the diamonds and everything for him and everything sweetest guy ever just like and walked in the door with his wife didn't walk in the door with 20 guys or like a crew or anybody in any kind of way he just walked in yeah he was like hey man what's going on he goes what do you want me to do and then you know and we take pictures and he's like should i do this should i do this and he was he was really and i would tell reasons why i was shooting certain things he'd be like oh that's cool okay Okay, go do that. You know, and and we shot and um, did a bunch of stuff, and then I got back home and I went through everything and I 
started collaging things together and uh, the, the, the label started collaging things together. And so as all of us were throwing things together for him to see and kind of play around with. And he was, he was a lot of fun. I mean, he was really, he was really sweet. He gave him a big hug at the end. He was like, man, you're everything they said you'd be. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. He's a big guy. I mean, he's yeah. like, he's and, well, big... and now he's like Jack. Oh, he's back totally the, Jack. Yeah. Before he went to prison, he was like fat. Yeah. And then he got out and he was like, rah, like, but his wife is his wife's amazing because she's she's the voice of reason when you're trying to do something that I love when you're taking pictures and someone says that's not what we're going for it makes it easier to kind of find where they want to go you know and I because sometimes you're just wasting time especially oh, so you don't mind when someone says that to no, you. No. if okay. someone says to me this you know I love this picture yeah but we, this is not what we, I would hate to see this being the thing we put up on the billboard or someone getting a hold of it because after they get done they, everything goes out and then people get to pull from this body of work right yeah so I mean but she she never said no to anything I want to do but she would definitely give him like like styling like like posing tweaks and that kind of stuff which really helps because he was into things and she he he turned she turned she goes baby just do this and he'd do it and he'd be like that's it that's she, great she knows him yeah. i mean she knows who he is and that is like it's like the director coming to a shoot which is the most amazing thing when a director comes to a movie poster shoot because if you ask an actor to do something and they say uh, i don't do that they won't say that to the director but if the director says, like, hey, do this, this, and they go, oh, yeah, I got it, you know, yeah. that's helpful, you know? That's interesting because I think a lot of photographers would probably be getting annoyed by, like, their, their um, wife being there. But so for you, it's almost like, oh, I'm going to use this to my use advantage. Use everything. You, the, and even if it's annoying, you use everything. Your ego has to be so checked in being a photographer. You can't – you are the last thing that is the be-all and the end-all, believe me. It's like – and with a shoot like that, like, do you go in in mind with like a lot of ideas of what you're gonna do, and from whatever idea you had from like conception to the final piece, did it differ a lot? You think? Um, some of it did, some of it didn't. Yeah. Some of it was some ideas I thought would be really amazing didn't work at all. You know what I mean? I had to give them up pretty quick. Hmm. You know. Um, and then there were things like, uh, like I had to go down and I was breaking mirrors because he wanted a whole thing with broken. I saw this thing with broken mirrors. So I bought a bunch of mirrors and I was breaking mirrors, which is, I did six What's that times. guy doing in the corner that's breaking mirrors? I, I, did, I, did, I broke mirrors for six different shoots last year. And I swear to God, boy, if any of that's true, I'm, I'm fucked. I'm like, but yeah, but it's, you know, I've gotten out to be the master of breaking mirrors at this point. I know exactly how to do it the right way. You got your brands. You got your yeah, I got, I got exactly what shoe to wear and what I'm supposed to do and what it's supposed to be sitting on and it's like this whole thing so but i did the one for gucci and i said it he's like he walked over and looked at himself he was like oh yeah yeah this is it and i'm like you know which was great you know and um then i just did really stylized portraits of him and and i knew what i was gonna do after with him so yeah he was great no it was awesome and i guess this is my last question to wrap up um this your new books out which i believe is this titled is this your name right is this frank no it's volume three volume okay volume three which is funny because going back to david fahey he he, he, that was one of the first things that i was about i think we should call it volume three okay and i looked and i go but i and i started laughing because everything with me is a lot about threes yeah so and he didn't even know that so, so that was the joke. But then he said volume three, and everyone's gonna be like, "Where's volume one and volume two? Where's That's what I was gonna. So, is, is, is it because it's just your Frank Ockenfels the third, right? Well, yeah, I'm Frank Ockenfels the third. Yeah, right. But it has nothing to do with the word volume three. It's just the three, the threes in the title. Got it. And so it's, but volume three was just to say, like, you know, if you wanted to be technical, right? 
there were two other books that were created years ago. Yeah. But they aren't. They didn't have. They had like a hundred hundred book runs. Okay. Right? This is like this is real. the first real published book through a publishing company. Yeah. That you know that you know that you know I got to go to Italy and sit and watch them have it come off fancy, press. fancy, fancy, fancy <laughs> stuff. You know, so it was great. So, um, yeah. But I guess my question is. What are you hoping people will take away from this book when they pick it up? I, I was lucky enough to see it um, yesterday. It's really amazing. It's really creative and inspiring. But I guess, like, what do you hope people take away from looking at this book? I, I, it's, I, I hope they get to sit with it and kind of realize every time they look at it, they're going to find something different. Which I, I like things like that. I like when, when pictures have more than one read. You know, and I think the book is going to have that for most people. That it's going to be something. I think it's something you should be able to draw inspiration from. Um, that um, that it will inspire you. Like any book that I like to buy, I like to be inspired by the content to go out and do something for myself. Not necessarily do what's in the book, but to suddenly be creative and try to do things. Because the book is the complete um, freedom of, of just creativity. It's just my brain being fleshed out on pages with no apparent rhyme or reason on a lot of it. It's just because I wanted to do it. Yeah. you know. And I think that that's important for any artist beyond the point of photography but any artist to understand it's just you know know why you're why you've decided to basically do something is that you should just be doing it because you want to do it and you're trying to answer something in the back of your head yeah. and 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 show people like this is what i was feeling today this is who i am today you know without judgment without i mean without any kind of judgment or, or need to understand i mean one of the best things that uh, ever was said to me in art school was that you know go to if you go to a museum and go see an art show or whatever just walk through and absorb it yeah don't don't feel the need to critique or take apart or or hate or like yeah. just know what you get drawn toward like you could walk in and hate everything and nothing seems saying to you and all of a sudden you see one little thing and you walk over and you stare at it and you can stand there for five minutes and that one thing will basically carry you on to basically create something else. And I hope that, that the book has it because I imagine there's going to be a lot of things in the book that people aren't going to relate to, but there are be, maybe there are things that people do relate to and and that's going to be exciting. You know, I've gotten a lot of good response so far. <laughs> people have been DMing me and saying, I'm so happy, man. This book is exactly what I wanted. And I was like, good. Because it was, because <laughs> you, because I was thinking if you bought the book and I mean, I was laughing, like, you're going to go on, on like on eBay and you're going to find it. It's going to be like a lot of like used books. No, because no, no, no. everyone bought it and was like, this isn't the book I wanted of Frank's work. And it was be like, dumped. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Well, uh, Frank, man, always a pleasure uh, talking to you. Um, thanks for taking the time and if people want to buy the book what's the best way just uh, uh well amazon has it and uh barnes and noble has it on their website you can buy it through that um bookstores are carrying it i know there are bookstores in in europe and uh um uh you know tenoise's i don't think tenoise has a store i don't yeah. think they do i don't think about it but yeah it's a, it's around you can always you know bar, if barnes and noble did buy purchase it i'm not sure it's in the stores but i know it's in yeah. the uh it's on their website. So. It's on the interweb. I'll link it. Go check it out. And uh, thanks so much, Frank. Okay. Thanks for having me again. So there you have it. That was the Frank Hockenfels, the third interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, can't thank Frank enough for taking the time to come on the podcast again. Uh, like I said, I've been a big fan of his work for years. So always a pleasure getting a chance to speak with him. And also, like I said, I can't recommend his new book enough. Uh, it's titled Volume 3. 
it's available on Amazon as well as Barnes and Noble now. Um, so definitely go pick up a copy and kind of uh, check out Frank's work. It's just uh, really interesting to kind of see his uh, creative mind and all the personal work and journals he's always constantly working on. Just a really amazing stuff. Um, so definitely go pick it up. And also you can check out Frank's website at fwo3.com as well as his Instagram at fwo3. He's always posting different work and things he's working on. Um, so definitely go give him a follow and check him out. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, as well as on my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.